0: Hello. Professional Congress organisers have been under enormous pressure in the last 18 months, adapting to a difficult and fast-changing business landscape. But it's an experience that's given them a unique insight into the state of the business events industry. My guest on Deep Dive today is Angela Guilmay, Executive Director of Incon. Angela, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, James. Good to be here.
0: So you are, as I said, the Executive Director of Incon. Can you just briefly explain the role of that organisation?
1: So Incon is a partnership of some of the leading conference organizers in the world. The companies collaborate and exchange, ensuring that each company is always at the cutting edge in the delivery of client events. During the pandemic, Incon has played an important role in allowing the partner companies to share knowledge, experience, and best practice, and that has been in a safe and trusted forum. And we have also spent time supporting the reskilling of our teams with the INCON Summer Learning Programme. And going forward, INCON would like to continue to play a role in supporting talent development and promoting a new idea of the PCO.
0: So what have your members been saying uh, about the business outlook for the next 12 months? Are, are things picking up in terms of in-person business events?
1: Uh, Broadly speaking, you could say the market is picking up, especially 12 months out, and this is usually the case for Congresses. Um, They say a rising tide lifts all boats. Well, that has been our experience with increased demand for in-person events, both national and international, coupled with thriving business in virtual and hybrid meetings, However, we would say that the recovery hasn't been uniform um, across the world, obviously. Some regions are doing much better than others. Uh, Business is flowing to countries and regions with high vaccination rates and where safe events are controlled and permitted. What's really special is that we continue to see impressive innovations across our industry in terms of high levels of engagement reaching new audiences, inclusivity, and collaborations. And all of this has been brought to us, really, as a result of the pandemic. For instance, in September, um, the European ESOT Congress brought together 1,200 delegates for an in-person meeting in Milan, joined by 1,400 delegates um, online. And that was 30, 74 countries represented in total at that meeting. So... I'm just not sure that we would have seen that kind of innovation and that kind of inclusivity um, before the pandemic. And I'll give you another example of a Congress that uh, took place in July, and that was the International Congress on the Education of the Deaf. And this one took place completely virtually um, with Mm pre-recorded sessions during and after, um, and this allowed the international deaf community to um, participate, which was really amazing. And um, so they are the kind of events you know that we are seeing, and and I think we're pretty um, confident about you know where the industry is going. We are experiencing an enthusiastic response to in-person events um, from associations and corporate clients, and also from the delegates. However, attendees are being more purpose-driven. People are valuing their time, so they are making decisions on whether to attend and why. So as an industry, we need to be listening, establishing what our clients and attendees are more comfortable with, and then responding with events that are fit for purpose.
0: That's interesting, though. I imagine some of our listeners would be surprised to hear that there have been these face-to-face meetings, some convening hundreds, if not a 1,000-plus people, in europe um but i suspect these are still exceptional cases
1: yeah probably james but and it really depends on what country and what region you're talking about and there are thousands of people (laughs) meeting in some places around the world but obviously there are also you know members of the the conference and events industry that are really struggling like right now because they're waiting for their for their events business to open up and to be allowed
0: So what are the main challenges facing PCOs right now?
1: You know, I suppose the main challenge facing conference organisers right now is to keep up the momentum. It's been a gruelling time for many companies as they had to respond to the pandemic and they had to change their business models, they had to support teams and then they had to respond to client needs. Um, If we were to pick what the four challenges are, I would say the first is attendance at live events. Fewer people are ready to travel compared to, say, 2019, um, and associations are still hesitating between what kind of medium, whether that's live, hybrid, or virtual. The second one, then, is to keep talent um, and to recruit new team members who are strong in areas such as technology, data, science, and marketing. The third is to keep on top of the changing regulatory requirements. Um, There are so many uh, visas, hygiene, testing, quarantine, managing attendee concerns, all of this um, and how to create safe events for our clients. And then the fourth and final one is um, bringing and motivating people back into the office.
0: Yeah. You mentioned recruitment. I know... The hospitality industry is suffering a huge labour shortage right now. And I know that some of this is spilling over into the uh, events industry. I've heard of college courses linked to, to events having to close because not enough young people are coming into, into the industry right now. Is this a, uh, a problem your, your members are facing, recruiting people?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is something that's coming up. We're hearing it all the time. Um, and I do believe there is a role to play for um, organizations like Incon and, and for the other umbrella groups out there, PCMA and IAPCO and ICA, everybody. Um, we need to do a job on uh, looking at the at the profession and making it um, appear um, like an attractive place to be. I mean, it has... Been under such an, an an enormous change in the last couple of months and it is an exciting place to be so so there's a bit of a job to be done there on that.
0: A lot of PCOs will have had to learn new skills I guess during the pandemic. Um, what have been the most significant changes to the actual role of PCO do you think in the last 18 months?
1: I would say the, the simplest way is would be to say that it's moved from being very much about organisation project management and logistics. Um, and then there's a move to content curation, marketing, engagement with audiences. And the obviously, um, we also have the move to digital as well. Uh, this week, we published an expert article about the digital conference organizer. The article covers off the most significant changes, really, and that's about digital and technology skills. Um, and with the increased need for technical skills, Um, is the ability also to advise clients on different solutions and go through the pros and cons of live versus digital events. So all of that requires a completely new set of skills. And the Incon partners as a group, we were quite lucky um, because most of the partners already had technology teams who were integrated into their business. And these teams grew in, in significance really across the board And so, you know, I suppose that they are the main ones, I would say. I
0: want to talk a little bit about hybrid um, because I'm a bit confused and I suspect other people are a little bit confused as well. Right now, there are people in the meetings industry who swear blind that this is the format of the future for international associations. This is a sort of golden template as we as we come out of this uh, pandemic. Others seem to think it's a totally overhyped. Uh, format and there's going to be more people doing virtual conferences um, but when in-person comes back that will just revert to a sort of business as usual um, model. Who's right?
1: You know before um, we organized this uh, interview today James I I had um, a chat with many of the Incon partners um, but particularly about that uh, question, you know, because there's been so much discussion about hybrid. Um, um, and I, I, the only thing I can say is that there are mixed views. So it's very difficult to really, you know, to have one group that, you know, that agree that is the way forward. What many are saying is that virtual conferences are definitely here to stay and perhaps hybrid. But choosing the hybrid option very much depends on the function of the event and the budget that's available. Um, so there are things that really have an impact on whether you can do hybrid or not. Hybrid is not just streaming sessions from an in-person event. It is designing two separate products to meet the audience need, needs. So to do it right and to avoid a chaotic um, event requires investment and expertise. And when the hybrid meeting is done well, um, that's that's great. But if it's managed badly, it can be very... Uh, disastrous at the very least, and and I would say maybe even a bad investment if it's not done not done well. Um, so we advise every client to assess their own situation, what's the purpose of the meeting, and, and, and what their target audience is, and then decide whether it's uh, whether it should be a hybrid or digital, or whether it should be an in person event.
0: It's interesting you mentioned the definition of hybrid there, because I suspect. There'll be associations listening to this who think you know hybrid was streaming a few sessions and maybe providing a bit of online chat for for, for some delegates, and you know that that suits them. And and what's wrong with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then, do you call that hybrid? <laughs> That's the question. I suppose everybody has different terminology, you know. And, and okay, if you have a speaker from Australia, and um, in your event, and that's recorded, is that called a hybrid meeting? I would say that the conference organisers would say that's not truly hybrid.
0: Now, one of the roles of a PCO is to negotiate venue contracts, and I understand there's a lot of goodwill and flexibility uh, in the heat of the pandemic from, from venues in terms of cancellation periods, etc. Is that goodwill holding, or are you starting to see uh, cracks in in that uh, relationship
1: to be honest james the treatment of venue contracts internationally varies a lot and um, for the most part venues are still being good partners venues have had to in fact because other venues do it so it's become a competitive advantage to offer it uh, but we have also seen more attention on clauses like force majeure and their meaning especially in the new, in the u.s market As the pandemic has gone on, venues don't seem to be as flexible as they were before, however. Uh, They are not allowing as much forgiveness for cancellations without true force majeure in play. So things are changing all the time. You know, from the PCO perspective, we'll always go back to venue partners that are being flexible and offer good terms. So these venues are in high demand. So hopefully it's something um, that we will be able to maintain.
0: So what would be your advice to associations planning a meeting right now?
1: Um, Well, I would say take this opportunity to evaluate your meeting and explore new ways of doing things, formats, audience, content, even speakers. Also, take the time to get to know your audiences and your sponsors uh, and try to marry the two and what they want obviously you know it's all been about data over the last uh, couple of uh, 18 months so have a data strategy and then finally look at the new digital tools at your disposal as an opportunity to do things right um, and to do things better but digital shouldn't fit the strategy it, it, it needs to it needs to be part of it
0: Susan thanks so much for your insights on your time uh, today Angela, what we tend to do at this stage is just ask uh, our guests to name a a book they've read in the last 12 months that they think our listeners should read
1: Yes, I'd recommend a book by Shirzad Shamayin and it's called Positive Intelligence and I think this helped me um, keep a positive um, frame of mind uh, during the pandemic it's a bit like a keep fit regime for your brain For your brain, his analogy is if you are physically fit, you can run without aches, pains and stress. Um, But if you're mentally fit, you can handle challenges without mental stress or negative emotions. So I check this one out, James.
0: Just give us a name and title again.
1: Shirzad Shamayin, and it's called Positive Intelligence.
0: Okay, Angela, thank you very much for being on Deep Dive. I wish you and your members the best of luck. And we hope to see you soon.
1: Thank you so much, James, for the opportunity.